Flight Control, countdown confirmed. Auto sequence start in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome everybody to the Everyday Manager podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Steele. I'm really excited today uh, to to, uh, shortly introduce the guest that we have, Keith Nicholson, um, in particular because uh, this is a little different. Um, In most uh, episodes, I'll cover one primary topic of conversation, but in today's topics of conversation, I'll be covering off two. And what those two things are is running a small the medium-sized enterprise business, which Keith has done, and uh, also career transition. But uh, I won't talk too much further about that because I'm going to let Keith have that honour. But uh, to start off, Keith, um, hello, welcome. Hello, Steve. Thanks for having me. So tell us a bit about yourself, mate, who you are and your career so far. Um, so I'm 36 now. Um, I started out, well, after I left school, I got into the horse racing industry because I'm I'm mad for the horse racing, so I went down to Melbourne for a couple of years, worked in the racing industry, got sick of waking up at 3.30 in the morning in the rain in Victoria, so um, came back to Queensland when I was 19 or so and got into the real estate industry. Uh, I started out as a salesperson at a Ray White uh, franchise. I worked as a salesperson for about six years and then I brought the franchise and took over. Um, I ran that for about seven years before I got sick of that. And then I decided I was going to be a lawyer. So I went back to, I went to university, got a law degree. Um, I got admitted as a solicitor earlier this year. And now I'm uh, working as a solicitor in the criminal law field. So it's been an interesting journey. You'd say that again, mate, starting out, you know, working uh, in the stables in the horsing uh, industry. Picking up horseshit at 3.30 in the morning was super. <laughs> Uh, and look where you've come. Yeah, oh, look at me now. <laughs> so tell me um, how running your own business was like. Um, what was the biggest challenge that you faced in that? Not, not the first six years, but the seven years that you owned it. What was that, that biggest challenge? Um, the biggest challenge for me was what actually goes into running a business. I'd worked in that business for six years. I thought I had a really good understanding of what what was involved in running the business and then I started running it and realised that there is a lot more to it. You've got to have electricity, you've got to have insurance, you know, and then you get to things like staff and, um, you know, it's just all the little extra things that you don't even think are going to be an issue until you take over the business and they detract from your time actually trying to run the business. So worrying about your KPIs and sales targets and all those things, you you tend to get distracted by the smaller things and you're running a small to medium business like I was. Like We had 12 or 13 staff, but, you know, I didn't have somebody who I could pay a full-time wage to handle those tiny things. Um, I had to deal with it myself. Um, and it's just, it is a real challenge when you take over, just getting your head around all those little things that from the outside looking in just appear to run themselves, but really they don't. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, actually, that you make there, and it's a common theme I've heard when I've been 
uh, interviewed recently, other people have owned their own sort of SME, I call it small to medium enterprise size businesses, is uh, the resourcing aspect. Um, you don't you, or you're not able to, to afford uh, endless number of people to sit there and, and do these things for you. you. You really have to roll the sleeves up on most occasions and get the work done yourself. Obviously, I'm sure there's things you could delegate, um, uh, but it, it, uh, it sounds like that's a, a common thing that you've experienced. You mentioned uh, staff, and I'm always somebody that's really interested in, in people because I think, you know, we can't operate any business, no matter what industry you're in without them. Um, how did you find, uh, you know, managing and leading people going from being one of the people that you're working alongside of to all of a sudden being the boss? It's a lot easier being one of the people than being the boss. <laughs> um, that, that was my, honestly, that was my biggest challenge. And in the end, that is why I sold my business. I had just had enough of, of dealing with staff. When you're in a small to medium enterprise, you don't have the luxury that if you have one or two staff members who aren't performing, that doesn't have an impact on your business because that might be 10 to 20% of your business. Um, so you really need to have everybody firing all of the time. Um, and that's a difficulty because people, they're human beings, they have problems and they bring them to work. That's just the way people are. So uh, that was a that was a huge challenge for me, um, something that I'm sure I got better at over time, but initially was a real shock to the system and I don't think I handled it well initially. Um, but, yeah, I think it's you learn as you go. But in the end, for me, I just decided it was I was better off being one of the people, so I sold up and went and did something else. Your honesty there is, is as I'm sure, shared with, with most people in their first ever, I guess, gigs at leading people is you just don't get it right the first time. There probably is some out there in the world that do. Haven't met many, um, and I put my hand up, got it all wrong at the beginning. But um, you know, you've got to go through those processes and those motions before you can actually become more experienced and skilled by by the sounds of what you're saying. So, no, thank you for that. Hey, what would your advice be for anyone wanting to run their own business? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I I think there's two aspects to it. The first one is you really, really have to know the business before you start. Um, I was fortunate in the sense that I had a really good understanding of the business and what went, what was needed to be successful. Like I said earlier, I didn't necessarily know about all those little hidden things that you don't even think about, um, but I had a really good understanding of the business. I knew what needed to be done to ensure that the business would continue to be a success. When you step into the owner's role, like I said, everybody comes to you with their problems. Everybody comes to you with their questions. If you don't know the answers you'll be completely rudderless. Um, and then the second part, if I did it again, I would focus more on my people from the start. Um, when I took over the business, I was purely focused on the business, you know, making sure we were hitting our target. I don't think I put anywhere near enough time into the people aspect of it. Um, and, you know, whilst I still had good relationships with all the people I worked with and we had, you know, there were staff that were there from when I started to when I sold the business. So it wasn't like we had high turnover and things like that. I think I could have done that much better. And I think that would have, ultimately, it would have made the business more successful. Yeah, yeah. That's quite interesting. Um, you, you know, I think, 
you know, what I'm hearing here and I hear from, from many people, it doesn't matter whether you're a business owner of a small, medium or large, large company or business, um, doesn't matter if you're just a manager in, in someone else's business in, in a corporation or, or company of sorts, uh, people seems to be the thing that, uh, you know, every lead I speak to says you've got to get your head around that and you've got to get your head around it quick. Um, yeah, I, I, I think um, the, the unique thing, though, with being a, a business owner, from what I'm hearing to you, is which perhaps may not be a an issue faced by somebody that's just managing a team within a you know, large corporation is that if you've got 10 staff and, you know, three of them are always sick, your productivity, 30% of your productivity is gone instantly. And, you know, I think that's sort of not always realised. Uh, and look, somebody like me who's never owned his own business but have, have, have managed um, businesses for companies, you know, if that was my situation, I'd probably be able to draw on other support resources to uh, make up for that 30% loss of productivity. Thanks for that, Keith, in regards to the advice uh, there for anyone wanting to run their own business. We're going to to shift now um, onto the next topic, which I'm really keen to, to uh, get, get your insight into. So, after running your own business, you transitioned your career, as you mentioned at the beginning of, of this episode. Uh, you're a lawyer, solicitor now. So um, tell us about that. Well, why, uh, you know, at what point did you, you, you make that decision that I'm going to transition my career? Uh, why law? Was it just something you've always been interested in or is it just something that you fell into? Yeah, so once I made the decision that I was going to sell my business, it actually all happened really quickly. So I decided I was going to sell it. I spoke to the powers that be. We put it on the market and effectively one of the one of my staff uh, purchased it. So it never really went on the open market. Um, we effectively had a deal done in sort of a couple of weeks after I decided to sell. We had a contract to buy it and then it was just a matter of going through that process. So from the time I decided to sell it to the day I walked out of it, it was probably only about three months, um, which is a bit novel. I was expecting it to take a lot longer than that. Um, but at that point, I was—I hadn't even thought really about what I was going to do next. Um, it was just a matter of, of getting getting out of that and then I'll figure it out then. But I'd always been interested in law. It was something that I'd considered doing after high school, but I decided to go and play with horses um, and effectively I just decided I'll I'll see if I can get into law. Um, I sent an application letter off to Bond University. Um, they approved my application in just a couple of days and then all of a sudden I was starting law school in six weeks. So it all happened really, really quickly um, and then I, yeah, effectively just started Started my degree. Um, that was in 2019. I started. Uh, I was about. I think it was two years and eight months for the degree, and then you have to do some um, practical. It's called practical legal training after that, um, which I did. And then I was admitted as a solicitor early this year. I think in February. Um, so it's three three years and two months effectively from when I started law to when I was admitted as a solicitor, um, which is, you know, normally your law degree will take you four years and then your legal training will take another year. So it was quite quick. But 
um, yeah, it was something really I'd always wanted to do. And then when I found myself in the position where I didn't know what I was doing, I thought, well, why not? I'll, I'll go and have a crack at it. And, yeah, I loved it. So I find it very interesting and I'm uh, really enjoying what I'm doing now. Yeah, look, at it. look, it takes a lot of courage to make a massive career change like that, you know, considering uh, from what my understanding is uh, of the real estate business that you owned at the time, it was going really well. Um, you know, you, you're, you're selling houses and, and homes and and, um, and you'd been doing it for what sounded like somewhere around 13 years. You knew your craft, you knew your trade, you knew that inside out probably by the time the 13th year came and then to go, oh, I'm going to sell and I'm going to take that courage and take that leap to just do something completely different. Did you have any fears or, or questioning your own decisions at the time uh, when you made made that choice to to, to switch your, your career? Because, um, you know, I've, I've had other people that have switched um, and there's a, a fair bit of risk involved, right, um, in terms of, you know, your, your, the life that you live and the, the career journey and trajectory that you're on. So do you have any fears or anything like that? Yeah, it was, a, you know, financially it was probably a, a terrible decision because I was making really good money um, and, like you say, I was I was established in my area, you know, I had a reputation, so business was coming to me. The business was going really well. Um, but, I mean, you, you, I think you have to do something that makes you happy, and I just wasn't happy doing it anymore. Um, and it got to a point where the money wasn't enough to make up for the, you know, the fact that I didn't enjoy what I was doing every day. Um, so... It was a big call in that regard because I knew that, you know, effectively for three years I didn't earn anything. I went from earning, you know, really good money to earning nothing while I was studying. Um, and now, you know, obviously I have a job now, um, but I'm not earning, you know, I'm not earning half of what I was earning in, in real estate. Um, and it will take me probably five or six more years of working my way up in the in the legal field to get back to that point. So, you know, effectively I paused my, from a financial perspective for, it's going to take me 10 years to get back to where I was. So, you know, that was a, that was a big call to make. Um, But I guess the other side of that coin is I'd been very fortunate to have been successful for quite a long time. So financially I could make that decision. So I wasn't in a position where, I had to keep doing something I didn't enjoy because I needed the paycheck. So um, I was lucky in that regard. I was also very lucky that I have a wonderfully supportive wife um, who was happy for me to follow something I wanted to do, you know, Um, and that's probably not the case always. Um, But I'm blessed in that regard to, to have Matt, that she supported me to do this and, um, but yeah, there was certainly it was a big call. Uh, I've never regretted it um, because I'm much happier now um, doing something that I really enjoy doing that stimulates me um, intellectually. Whereas real estate really didn't. Uh, it was just a just a sales game, which you know, if, fortunately I was good at the sales game, but I've had enough of it after 13 years. So. Um, but, yeah, I certainly don't regret it. Um, it's the, probably the, the best decision I've ever made, to be honest, and I was lucky I you know, I managed to sell my business for a good price. So, 
walked away from it in good shape. But, yeah, it was a massive call and it was concerning and there were certainly times throughout my, while I was doing my degree, not earning a cent, um, that it's a bit scary, you know, where am I going to end up when this is all done? Yeah, what am I going to be doing? Uh, what am I going to get paid? All those sorts of things. But it's, I mean, it's worked out really well. I'm now in a position where I, I have a job I really enjoy. I'm getting paid well. Um, and I hope to just continue building on that and I'll get back to where I was eventually. Yeah. Uh, look, hats off to you, mate. And I think, you know, when I asked that question, did you have any fears and you, and you you mentioned financial stability during the transition process, and I, I would say, you know, nine times out of ten, anybody that's make made or in the process of making a career transition move, that's going to be the biggest risk for them and the biggest fear. I, I would, I would say. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's to, to take that that leap of faith um, uh, in in knowing that you're not going to have a single cent of income coming in for the next few years while you do this degree and then as you point out which I wasn't aware you know you've got another five or six years to wait before you can get back to those levels that you're at you know financially uh, in the real estate business so um, yeah it, it's it's quite uh, inspiring uh, I must say I, I mean that um, with all um, sincerity because um, I certainly have um, have never taken a, a leap of faith like that and I really admire uh, when, when people have. So well done to that and hats off to you. Um, what sort of advice have you got for anyone wanting to transition their career that might just, you know, have had enough or passion's not there anymore or they don't love doing what they're doing and they wanted to try something new or different? What would you say to that person today that uh, would be wanting to follow in your footsteps? Don't do something that makes you miserable. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter how much you get paid. Um, it's honestly not worth it. You you only get one life. Um, what's the point of of sticking it out, doing something you hate just because the, there's a paycheck at the end of it? Um, I mean, and and the other thing is, once you make the decision, get out. You know, because there's no point prolonging the inevitable, staying somewhere that you know you don't have a future. Um, make the decision, pull the band aid off and go and follow something that you want to follow. Um, you know, you've the, the hardest thing with transitioning, for me anyway, was, you know, when I decided to do that, I was 33, I'd invested 13 years in an industry that I was now going to do something where that experience was effectively worthless. And, you know, that's scary, but it's better to just do it once you've made the decision than I could have waited another year. I wouldn't have, you know, my position on what I wanted to do wouldn't have changed, but I just would have been a year later down the track. Um, so you've made the decision to move on, move on. Um, but equally think about how you are going to get through the transition period. Uh, I mean, and that's something that I thought about. I was probably in a, a fortunate financial position that I could do it and knew that I could not have an income for three years and that wouldn't really have any impact on my lifestyle. Um, but you need to think about how you're going to get through it. And you also need to just be honest with yourself how it's going to take to get back to where we were um, financially. Because if you're moving into a different industry, there's always skills that are transferable and that's something that I've found. A lot of the skills that I thought 
would be useless that I'd learnt in real estate. Well, in reality, they're not. A lot of the people skills, um, those soft skills that you develop from working, they are transferable. So I'm now in a position where I'm competing for jobs with people who are straight out of uni. So they might be 23, 24, 25, you know, and I'm, I'm 36. And I, I mean, I've recently been promoted um, and I know every other applicant for the role that I went for had more legal experience than me, but I got the role and I think that's a result of the fact that I bring life experience to it. You know, and there's, there's the skills outside of of purely the area of expertise that you're now working in that you can that you can bring to it from your previous experiences. So I don't think that the time you've put into whatever industry you've put it into is entirely wasted, because there'll be a lot of skills that are transferable and you can you can use to effectively climb quicker in your new the new industry or the new environment than you would otherwise. If you want to do it, just back yourself and do it. Don't uh, don't stay somewhere where you're miserable. Yep. Don't procrastinate. Good advice. Just get on with it. Rip that bandaid off. Um, exactly. Hey, last question I've got for you, Keith. Um, who is your favourite leader or manager um, in, in any field? Um, uh, you don't have to know them. You can know them, but who who is might be a leader or a manager that's inspired you at some point of your working career? Um, I think somebody that I don't know but I've always admired, um, and I'm a big sports fan. I'm a big Broncos fan. I think the best leader of of men that I've seen is Wayne Bennett, um, legendary Broncos coach. It's just the way that he is a you know he's seventy something now, but he can get young men who have you know 50 years his junior they just absolutely adore him want to play for him he can connect with them on a level that is staggering really considering the age gap um and get the best out of them and i think that's something that if any manager that's a massive part of it is being to get being able to get the best out of your people and bennett's somebody who's done that over decades and it's it's something that I really admire. I'm not sure. I'm honestly not sure how he does it. How he, he can connect with these, you know, these twenty-year-old footballers, and he's a seventy-something-year-old man. But they will run through run through brick walls for him. And I think that's that's testament to something that he's doing in a man man management sense that just makes these guys want to well willing to do anything for him. I think that's. That's incredible, and that's he's somebody I've always looked up to. Um, I've also recently had a manager who really impressed me, and he probably wasn't amazing with the people management skills side of things, but he was one that led by example. So he, he worked really hard. Um, he was always there to help people if they had issues, and he just he showed everybody the way. Um, and I think. That's a style of management that's probably less in vogue these days. It is all very people first and, um, you know, a bit touchy-feely. Um, but he led by example and people followed him um, and he got a lot out of people who probably just didn't want to disappoint him um, because they saw what he was putting into it 
um, and they wanted to live up to that same level and live up to his expectations. So, yeah, there's a million different ways to be a manager, um, but you do have to do something that inspires your people to be at their best and whether that's managing them in a, a personal sense that you build those really strong personal relationships or leading by example. I don't think there's a set way to do it, but you need to find whatever your way is and then and then do that. Yeah, yes, it looks some, some really good leadership skill sets that you've touched on there with those two, uh, those two individuals as leaders, uh, the ability to connect um, and then there's the ability to lead by example and both sound like through their own ways have been able to inspire, uh, you know, all sorts of people to, to follow them. And, um, and that's key. That's key and that's everything that we're, you know, we're about particularly for this podcast. So, look, any uh, new person that's new to, to management or new to being a leader, uh, take note of that because um, you'll go a hell of a long way in your management and leadership careers uh, if you can, can do what these two individuals have done. Well, Keith, thank you very much for your time. It's, it's been greatly appreciated. Made some really, really intriguing insights there in, in regards to um, the journey that you've had in your career so far uh, from, you know, starting out the, in, the, in, the, in the, the horse shed stables through to working uh, in, in real estate to then owning your own real estate business and then making that massive career transition shift uh, into law. So all the best with that. I, I wish you well. And thank you for your time today on uh, the Everyday Manager podcast series. Thank you for having me on. It's been good. Wonderful. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, again, uh, another episode of the Everyday Manager podcast series is done and dusted. And I look forward to um, speaking with you all soon. Thank you. <laughs>